0: Everybody, welcome into the Paul Bunyan Podcast, a weekly show that will deep dive on everything between East Lansing and Ann Arbor, Spartans, Wolverines, everybody, Michigan or Michigan State, is welcome to join. My name is Joe. My name is Mike. And, um, Mike, uh, some people might ask why I do a podcast based solely on a college rivalry. Um, I don't know. To me, it's pretty simple why college football. Takes the cake over pro football. Yeah, you know? yeah, I
1: love college football. College football and college basketball, which we'll be covering when that season starts, yes, are my two favorite sports. Football and basketball are my favorite sports anyway, and the college level is the best. I love college football because you can run a spread, you can run a spread option, you can just run an option, you can run an air raid. There's so many different types of offenses and defenses that you see in so many different teams. There's so much talent spread out across so many different, just the power five alone has 64 teams plus Notre Dame. So versus 32 in the NFL. So you're talking twice as many teams. So you see so many different styles. And until recently, you might be able to narrow it down to four or six or maybe eight teams, but you didn't know who was going to win the national championship until Nick Saban took over at Alabama. And you could argue Dabble Sweeney took over at Clemson. True. And the reason I love Michigan is as much of a fan as I am of the Pistons or the Red Wings or the Lions until I smarten up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't live in Detroit. I'm not far from there. I live in Ann Arbor. I have family and friends that work for U of M, whether it's on the college, uh, academic side, school, public health, um, the athletic department. I know people that have gone there. I feel I have a connection. I lived in Ann Arbor most of my life, so I've always felt a stronger bond to Michigan football. And, I, and growing up, I always watch
0: it with my friends and family. How about for you, Joe? Um, Well, for me, college football, I'll start with why I love college football. The passion is unmatched. Uh, in I think all of college sports, the passion that fans have for college football is simply greater than the passion that the fans in pro football have and sometimes the passion that the players have is greater in college than in professional that's really good point uh i love the rivalries i think when you see states sometimes cities divided um every day of the year rivalries are just so important and sacred to the college fan the college player the city um you could go anywhere in michigan 365 days a year and there's some kind of debate going on about michigan or michigan state and uh also the commitment because it's more than just three or four years that a player is part of the program once they're a part of your school or team it feels like they're a part of it forever like even when they go on to the pros you still feel like that's one of your players and uh, i love michigan state my mom went to michigan state um even before magic johnson was there I was born in Lansing, grew up around the area, uh, had a lot of brothers and siblings that cheered for Michigan State, but probably solidified when I moved to Ann Arbor at a very young age and um, saw that everybody else was cheering for the other team, and it kind of made me strengthen my love for the Spartans even more. So.
1: Nothing like a posing opinion to strengthen your own
0: that's stubbornness right. about you and how adamant you are about <laughs> that. That's right. And I've lived in the Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti area ever since uh, I was eight, and it's only grown stronger since then. So. And people might think it's kind of weird to do a
1: podcast about one game, but it isn't just one game, even though they play each other only once in football, and they only play each other two, maybe three times tops, and basketball there's news every week and we'll be breaking down every week's game we want to do this at least once a week um anytime there's news in the offseason well maybe we'll do some special That's episodes right. um i was even thinking during rivalry week if we have time maybe we do a couple especially if we can get some guests on that right. break down the games and get other Differing opinions and
0: ways to look at it. But the rivalry is definitely not one day a year. It's, no. It's 365, 24-7. Yeah, talk
1: to someone uh, Talk to someone that's married to someone from the opposite side <laughs> and they'll tell you. They'll <laughs> let you know. <laughs> that game decides what flag hangs up uh, year-round.
0: <laughs> so Michigan State was the first game of the week of the season, really. Um So we're going to open with them. How we'll do this is we'll go through Michigan State's offense, Michigan's offense, then Michigan State's defense, Michigan's defense, and really we'll just alternate whichever team opens first that week. So Michigan State's offense, it was well criticized from 2018, deservedly so. And Mark D'Antonio, in the most Mark D'Antonio way possible, didn't fire anybody, but he rearranged them, gave everybody new jobs, and the new offensive coordinator is Brad Salem, who is a former Division II head coach and offensive coordinator. Um, so the changes that we saw, they were pretty minor. I thought that the offensive attack was a little more uh, up pace, I guess, upbeat beat almost, but it wasn't like they were running no huddle. You know, it was still Mark D'Antonio's offense. I think he's allergic to no huddle offense. <laughs> The result was not great. The opening drive, they scored a touchdown. They went right down the field. Uh, We saw some special packages from like Rocky Lombardi (coughs) coming in at quarterback on fourth and short. I still feel like they're hiding a lot. Uh, I feel like they're not showing their full hand. At least I really hope that they're not. And there's definitely some concern. I think there was a lack of explosiveness. There were a lot of penalties specifically on the offensive line. The play from the offensive line overall was – le- it left a lot to be desired. Um, but also some positives I mentioned. There was a little bit of a change of pace for the offense, which was definitely needed. I think Brian Lewerke is back. He's healthy. He looks confident. He can run it and throw it. He's he's a true dual threat dual threat quarterback, which is, is rare. You know, usually you use the term dual threat. Really, it's they're more one side than the other. But I think – LaWorke has proven himself to be equally run and pass threat. Um, and there are some young players with potential. I think Ladarius Jefferson, when he gets the ball in his hands, has some electric speed. I'd love to see Elijah Collins. He's a true running back since high school more often. True freshman? Uh, he's actually a redshirt freshman now. But oh, he did, okay. He did play a couple snaps last year as a true freshman, thanks to the four-game redshirt rule. Um, and I'd love to see some more freshmen like, uh, Trenton Gillison and Julian Barnett. And, um, again, I I really like the special packages idea, bringing in Rocky Lombardi for short yardage specials, because, um, for a running quarterback, like Brian Lewerke, who has had injury history, not just from 2018, but his redshirt freshman year in 2016, you do want to limit the amount of hits he takes, especially in a game like Tulsa or Western Michigan this week. And Rocky Lombardi, a little bit of background on him, He's he was a high school wrestling champion in the state of Iowa, and Iowa football actually recruited him as a linebacker. So he could take the hits. And if he wants to come in on fourth and one or third and short and barrel his way to a first down, I'm all for it because it gets him experience and it keeps Lewerke from getting hurt. And another positive for the offense was no turnovers. So... The defense forced three. Anytime Michigan State wins a turnover battle by more than two, I feel like that really puts them in good position. So right now those are my takeaways for Michigan State offense. I think one
1: of the reasons Mark D'Antonio doesn't want to go no huddle is he's a defensive uh, coach. And no huddle can oftentimes put more pressure on your defense if the offense is doing that because even if they score – the defense didn't have a lot of time to rest. Yeah. And if it doesn't go well, your time of possession, which is kind of becoming a stat of the past, but Mark D'Antonio is also kind of old school.
0: He loves it. Yeah, he loves his time of possession battle.
1: I uh, No turnovers. I think a lot of times if a defensive coach is your head coach, you'd rather be conservative and have no uh, – he would rather be conservative and have no turnovers than yeah. to have a more spectacular offense, especially if it means he wins. Definitely. I'm less bullish on uh, Lewerke. I think what he does offer is he can move his feet and pick up yards like that. I think he's fine with the short passes. I don't have a lot of confidence in him with the deeper ball. I think it would be really nice if you got Rocky Johnson in there a bit, especially on plan, uh, plan run plays, or if they want to do some RPOs, you could actually do it with both of those quarterbacks.
0: Yeah. I think Rocky's arm strength is a bit stronger than Lewerke's. I actually think it's, it's quite stronger. He showed it off a little bit as a redshirt freshman last year. He had to start three games when Lewerke went down. Um, but yeah, Lewerke, his strength is definitely not the deep pass, but shorter routes and the mid, I would say like passes between 10 to 25 yards. He he can be very accurate on, I think he's shown throughout his career. But I definitely agree, uh, longer pass plays, not, not his forte.
1: I, uh, I'm not a fan of their offensive line at all. No. You, you hope that it's just first game jitters. We've seen that with Michigan State in the past, where they really improve uh, throughout the season. But sometimes even with that week one to week two improvement, you see teams still struggle throughout the year. Yeah, that makes two of us. I think Tulsa's a real is a team from a real conference. Um, outside the Power Five, I think the American Conference is the best. But last year they were 96 in defense. So,
0: unless they had a vast improvement, it's not like Michigan State was playing a really good defense. Right. They, the one thing that Tulsa does have is a really good defensive line. Um, i drawing a blank on his first name, but Gibson at the end position has a lot of pro scouts raving. So, I know um, their defensive line was pretty well-renowned. But, yeah, their defense
1: overall not great. Yeah, and I like Michigan State's receivers. So, you would hope that if their back seven isn't very good – that they would have taken advantage more of that. I think Michigan State, what would really help them, Mm -hmm. is if um, they got some running backs going. Um, Definitely. I don't have a lot of confidence in the offensive line. I think you have some quarterbacks that can do some uh, interesting things, especially on their feet. Uh, I think you have some good uh, wide receivers, but really, uh, if you get a running back with that defense, you can really control – games and you could really sleepwalk your way to 10 uh, victories uh, for the season if you can just by running
0: the ball and having a good defense definitely and I do have some thoughts on the running backs part of the problem of having a running back group by committee rather than a Jeremy Langford or Le'Veon Bell type of situation is it like you said it really does risk not getting anybody in a groove right now Connor Hayward is kind of the uh, almost like an interim starter like He's their best option for now. I think he doesn't really have a lot of room to grow as a running back because he just is what he is. Like he's a he's an athletic dude. He's strong. You know, his older brother is Cameron Hayward. He's the son of Ironhead Hayward, uh, famous Steelers or not Steelers. His brother plays for the Steelers. Anyways, um, I do like a lot of the young running backs they have, and Elijah Collins and Ladarius Jefferson and Anthony Williams, who's currently dealing with an injury. Um, Michigan State did suffer a huge uh, blow today. Uh, It was announced Jalen Naylor, the sophomore wide receiver, broke his foot and is done for the season. And that just kind of adds to the lack of explosiveness now. He was probably the most explosive player. You know, Daryl Stewart and Cody White, they're more true wide receivers, whereas Naylor is kind of like a a Devin Hester type of player, if that makes sense. Plays on the special
1: teams too. Yep.
0: So – I'd like to see someone like Lloris Nelson step up at wide receiver. I'd love to see more of Cam Chambers. And, you know, I'm not trying to tell Mark D'Antonio what to do because he's the head coach and I'm just somebody who loves football. But I really think that Connor Hayward would be better suited as an H-back wide receiver type of player because he's shown throughout his three years at Michigan State he's got great hands. When he has the ball in his hands, he can make moves. But his vision at the line of scrimmage is – definitely lacking. Um, And to point on the offensive line, you know, i definitely agree with you and Mark D'Antonio agrees with us. He actually had a pretty fiery press conference by his standards and said, basically, you know, our program is built on effort and toughness and half of our team got that. And half of our team didn't. How Um, did you take that? I liked it a lot. Yeah. But what do you think he meant by that? What what's the half he was. um, Oh, I mean, come on. He's talking about the offense. The offense. Yeah, didn't get that's it. what I took it. And he said, at least um, certain
1: players on the offense.
0: Yeah. Um, I will never question the the effort of Laworki. I think he's shown a willingness to put himself on the line, and um, he's a senior. Like he's been through the ups and downs with the program. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of people who need to be questioned on the offense. Well, what what, what players on the offense do you think he meant that for? I would say probably Jordan Reed on the offensive line. Uh, Matt Allen, the center, had a couple not great plays. And um, I know they're they're kind of working with injuries, but, you know, I, I think everybody everybody who we called out without saying particular names, they know who they
1: are. Yeah. I just didn't watch the whole game. I was flipping back and forth a little bit. So I was – I figured with the game, with the game that the offensive line had, because no matter who you were, it seemed like people came away. Like people may have been split on how some other units play, but almost everyone seemed to criticize the offensive line. Yeah, I really, uh, I think Naylor is a huge blow too because what I thought State's uh, strongest unit was on the offense is once again the receivers. I thought they had three receivers that could make plays.
0: Yeah, and part of the silver lining from all the receivers getting hurt last year is that so many wide receivers got playing time. So not that you want this to happen by any means, but if any group on Michigan state's offense could handle a a hit like that, it would be the wide receivers. So that's, that's my take on Michigan state offense and,
1: yeah, pretty much until I find that until I really think they do one thing super well, I'm not going to be as bullish. I don't think I came yeah. away from that game thinking they did one thing particularly well. If they get the passing game going or if they get the running game going or if the offense of line shows vast improvement and becomes a strength, then I'll feel better about them. But yeah, the more I digging I did on their offense, I, the more I came away thinking it's a weakness, definitely. Michigan's offense, I thought it was something um, somewhat familiar and something totally different. Um, I really like the RPOs they ran. Those are run-pass option plays. I like that they weren't afraid to go deep. Um, I really thought Charbonnet, even though he was split in time, had a very nice game. He's been a good blocker. He had a nice blitz pickup. Um, He had a 41-yard rush. He had 90 total rushing yards on eight rushes. But he split time with Christian Turner, who had 11 rushes for 49 yards. Uh, His long was uh, 11 yards. You had uh, Dylan McCaffrey playing a lot. He had eight rushes for uh, 42 yards. His long was 10. Shea had nine rushes for 28. His long was 15. It would have been longer, but he was sacked. And, you know, in college, that counts for rushing. Um, uh, There was no uh, Donovan People jones But the wide receivers still look good for the most part. Uh, Tariq, Nico, and McCune all had uh, TDs. Their longs were 36, 28, and 28. And if you notice, I'm talking about long, deep plays. That's something that Michigan lacked last year. Um, On the negative, Ronnie Bell had two crucial drops. Um, One, I believe, would have been a touchdown. And the other one would have put them uh, down in the red zone. And... um, Despite that, um, Shea's uh, stats still look good. Even There was five drops total from the wide receivers. Uh, he was still 17 for 29 with three TDs. You don't like the fumble on the opening play. Yeah, But uh, his stats were good enough that Pro Football Focus uh, uh, College website still had him as the Big Ten uh, QB of the week. Um was even more impressive because Car- Harbaugh said after one that hits, uh, Shay was playing through a nagging injury and he was actually uh, looked at extensively during halftime. Um, probably makes sense why the play calling was the way that it was in the second half. Harbaugh said he was keeping a close eye on him. I also felt in the second half they took their foot off the gas a little bit to do a lot of experimentation. Right. And they get a lot of the freshmen that can play four games and still get their red shirt in. Um, I have more, but did you want to try? Yeah, in? i just.
0: Uh, I've like, my concerns would be, I think Patterson could go through his reads a, a little bit more. It seems like he kind of locks in on his first read or second read and, um, doesn't really go through his progressions as much as you would like, but you know, um, it hasn't killed him to this point. Um, and, um, I'm, to me, I'm not really sold on the running backs just yet, um, I think Michigan's offensive line is definitely a, a big strength for them, and they're showing off a little bit of depth right now. But at the same time, it's kind of like the same thing with Michigan State. Like it is Middle Tennessee State. Yep. Um, I want to see it more often. I want to see it early and often from them. You must have been reading my notes because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm about to get to some of those things. But <laughs> I actually wasn't. Um, <laughs> but I do want to say, like, what does McCaffrey bring to the table? that Patterson doesn't, that leads to me just scrolling through Twitter and seeing so many fans calling for McCaffrey over Shea. Isn't that every fan base though? <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah, I I was
1: told by uh, rival fans last year that Rocky Lombardi started State would have beat Michigan, but I'm not sure that's the sentiment shared by all of State's fan base. Mm, no, I don't. <laughs> but and and we're both Red Wings fans. Like one of the most popular Red Wings players is whoever the backup goalie is, and that's even during wins. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> There's some. Some fans have have a dark horse opinion. They actually think Milton's
0: the answer. Coming out of left field. I've heard the same thing about Theo Day and East Lansing. But But, uh, um, another
1: somewhat negative thing is I wasn't crazy about the plays with two quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, I have heard some people that know football better than me, including Devin Gardner, who's actually really become a good analysis uh, analyst. I'm that uh, that is actually could benefit Michigan and uh, if they get it down the right way um, if it's executed differently, I could see it being a plus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I wanted to see done when they had Gardner and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and Robinson, Robinson all those years ago. Um, I, I do think uh, Dylan McCaffrey has some nice speed. He's shake and scramble a bit. McCaffrey (laughs) McCaffrey has some wide receiver running back uh, speed. And they use that to their advantage a bit. Um, To your point about uh, uh, whether or not McCaffrey should start, last year he was 8 for 15. Right. This year he's over 50%. (laughs) This year he's 2 for 4. So through a little over a season of games, that's McCaffrey's stat line. I know that, you know, that doesn't. I don't know what his uh, totals are for running the ball, at least apart from last Saturday. But to me, that doesn't show enough that he should be starting over Shea. And let's be honest, next year it will be McCaffrey's team. Right. Um, But this year it's Shea's. So, and he has more, uh, Shea
0: has more experience with these players. You know, McCaffrey would be the wild card. When you have a senior quarterback who has starting experience of at least one season, you tend to want to give them the benefit of the doubt. He had a very good season and last year. He did year have too. a good season. Yeah,
1: they they had a bit more conservative play calling than I would have liked, but his stats reflected that. It was very very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Pedestrian? No, not pedestrian. It was very very, uh, oh. um, high, uh, very efficient. Oh, okay. It okay. was very efficient, and that's what you want <laughs> if it's conservative play calling, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say it's pedestrian uh Just uh, yards, yeah. yeah, but uh, Michigan's always like that. If you go look up <laughs> Michigan's all-time uh, passing yards for a season, and, like, so many other schools are way past way, way- Yeah, because Michigan, even when they had Rich Rod, because he was doing a spread option, has always been a run first team. Right. Um, and until this year, it's kind of like that, too. Though they are definitely taking advantage of their uh, running, even though it's a spread team, like, that's – That's why I say it's uh, something totally different mixed with something somewhat familiar because they have a lot of people that can run the ball. Um, I I agree with you about the running backs. You have three different guys that had good games. I Mm -hmm. did not expect Charbonnet to maybe be the guy you expect to be the starter. I was really thinking Christian Turner. Um, You did hear a lot of True Wilson coming out of camp. He only ran, I think, four times. Uh, but it sounds like it's either going to be Charbonnet or Christian Turner. And I was really thinking it was probably going
0: to be Christian Turner or true and Wilson. Sometimes you do get a f- true freshman running back who comes on campus and you can tell is just a dude. I'm going to be referencing these two running backs a lot um, already. But, you know, Le'Veon Bell, his first day on campus, you know, he came in and Jeremy Langford was a higher rated running back than him. They were in the same class. But from day one, it was clear that Le'Veon Bell had to be on the field. And then Lankford came in after Bell. Lankford was actually a cornerback for his first two seasons and played some wide receiver after that. He didn't come on until his junior and senior year where he had two of the more complete, two of the best running back seasons that in Michigan state recent history. So it's like, sometimes you do get that true freshman running back.
1: Yeah. Like for that. me, it's just, I have to see it before I believe it. Right. Even though I knew Charbonnet was going to be a really good player. Overall, I thought the O line played well. Um, but I felt like they could have played better. Yeah. Uh once again because it's a Middle Tennessee State kind of like I said it's Tulsa and right with a uh, state um they only allowed four pressures and one sack on 33 dropbacks. It's just you want to see even more efficiency if you're going up against Middle Tennessee State. Definitely. They rushed for 233 yards on 45 rushes, but again, it's Middle Tennessee State. I would have liked to have seen even more in some ways. Then I don't know what Middle Tennessee State's going to be. Are they going to be an eight-win team in Conference USA? Are they going to be a five-win team? Either way, they're in Conference USA, so this is not a bad conference. I said the the experimentation in the second half kind of saw this in the Ohio State game too. I think some te- uh, fans that wanted to see a blowout don't understand that Michigan probably could have really blown them out <laughs> right. if they just did what they do well. But I think the coaches want to see them do things. They want to see them try things they don't do as well. So when they have their back up against a wall against other teams that have more talent, they can do that well. Um, I do like that there's depth at the quarterback. There's depth at the wide receiver. There's depth at the running back because I didn't even mention Donovan People jones or Joe Milton. Yeah, right. I mean, I guess I kind of did, but I didn't give their stat lines because they didn't play. Right. And they have those guys, too. Speaking of death, you know, you had um, John Runyon Jr. didn't play, and you had Hayes fill in for him, and he didn't allow one pressure on 33 dropbacks. Um, overall, I'd give the offense a B plus. There was a lot of things they did really well. There was some sloppiness, and they were playing Middle Tennessee State. I
0: understand it's week one, but, again, Middle Tennessee State. (laughs) So, if you're like me, you probably think that Michigan wasn't showing all of their hand. They were holding quite a bit back, probably. I I don't totally. Okay. Because Harbaugh in the past
1: hasn't done that. There's been people who aren't happy with the play calling, and then you'll have other people say, oh, he's not showing his hand, and then you watch the whole season play out. And And that's what it is. Uh, I think he comes more from the – if there's something that you're going to run later, run it now and do it well. I'd rather you keep doing it in a game and get better at it. Okay, so that kind of stumps my next question then because I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> there's at, some Michigan fans that might agree with you, but right. I, I think I have some evidence to back up my point.
0: True. I mean, we really don't know until we watch at least right. one or two more games.
1: But Harbaugh's um, not calling this year too, so that would right. be the counterpoint.
0: At what point do you want to see Michigan just totally open it up? now? Now? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I actually agree with that, too.
1: I think it's better to do something for the first time in a game against Army or Middle Tennessee State than against Ohio State or Michigan State or Penn State, a team that is a contender or even formidable. My, um I guess if you're opening week one against Notre Dame, run it there, too, because... Right, why not? Yeah, yeah. And if something works, okay, maybe don't open up the whole playbook. Keep doing what works. But in general, I don't like this holding things close to your vest. Right. Waiting no. to, yeah.
0: You get no objection from maybe me on that. Maybe a trick
1: play, but aside from that.
0: Yeah. No, you get no objections for me on that. I certainly – I'm, just based off of the way Mark D'Antonio gave his press conference this week, I'm hoping that Michigan State does that this weekend and – just opens it up, you know, let it all fly out. Because you didn't see enough of a difference. Yeah, in that. yeah. because it it looks, it felt too much like deja vu from tw- the thirteen games of last season. Is
1: has Brad Salem been an offensive coordinator before?
0: Yeah, he was an offensive coordinator at um, Division two school. Division two school, right yeah. before he became head
1: coach. And when he was a head coach, it was a head coach at the, the Division two. Yes. School. And How he, long has he been
0: uh, with State? He came to Michigan State uh, the beginning of the 2010 season. Okay, and he he has a pretty solid track record. He was the running backs coach when they had Edwin Baker, Le'Veon Bell, and Larry Caper, and then he moved over to quarterbacks coach uh, with Connor Cook. Connor Cook's first season. So I think Connor Cook and Brian Lewerke are kind of like his calling card for quarterback coach, which I think are pretty solid. All right, this is what I've been waiting for, the Michigan State (laughs) defense. (laughs) Uh, The Spartan Dogs, uh, they played like dogs, man. I really don't have too much to complain about on this one. They were dominant. Again, you know, playing Tulsa, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. But still, dominance is dominance. They seem to continue to grow from their areas of strength in 2018. Still playing with intensity, toughness, playing smart football. You didn't see too many penalties um there was one we'll get to that was kind of a killer but my concern will be yeah a few penalties and they did give up some deeper pass plays that's something you're going to want to shore up because teams know the michigan state run defense by now so they're going to try to attack through the air so particularly against josh butler nothing against the kid um he's a tough kid um if you know his story like he recently lost both of his parents and has continued to play through it and but you know he's playing opposite of Josiah Scott so when teams attack through the air they're going to be going at him so you'd like to see him step up his play a little bit more um but the positives you know a little bit of everything i think they showed off a lot of depth it wasn't just the star players like Bachi Willakis Raquan Williams showing off it was Antoine Williams who's a first year starter Jacob Panishuk who is a second-year starter at defensive end, opposite of Willickis. Did you see that he was not only uh, pro football
1: focuses college, big all Big Ten first team for that week. He was
0: also on their national team. Jacob Panishuk. Yep, I did see first, that, yep. and that made me proud because he's had moments in the last two seasons. He played as a true freshman. So he's, he's a third-year junior right now. I'm glad, I'm glad you pronounced that name for me. Panashuk. Because look, it looked like a nightmare. I was like pan, panace- <laughs> um, he's shown a lot of moments, and Kenny Wilkis is going to get double teamed. You know, everybody's going to be focused on him. He's, he's the reigning defensive player of the week and Big Ten defensive lineman of the year. So he's going to get attention. So if Jacob Panashuk can work with what the defense has given him. That's, that's going to be a huge key for Michigan state and they don't have a ton of depth at defensive end. They're pretty set at the defensive tackle positions and everything else defensive end right now. They got, they have a couple injuries is where they're dealing with some lack of depth. So that's where they need the starters and rotational players to be great. Um, yeah, not just the star players. I mentioned Antoine Williams and Jacob Panashuk, uh, Shakur Brown, from the third corner spot, had two sacks, which, you know, uh, you're playing pretty well if your third cornerback can get two sacks. Dominique Long is a special teams monster. He had a blocked punt. And um, just the overall team stats, six sacks, three turnovers, a safety, a defensive touchdown, blocked punt, and a school record negative 73 rushing yards. They did get a little bit of help from uh, some high snaps, but (laughs) even so, negative 73 rushing yards. Um yeah, the center for Tulsa might have been Michigan State's best offensive player. Might have been. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the defense, I you know, what can I say? I, I love it. I when the offense has the ball, I'm closing my eyes, thinking of Cassius Winston in March and then hoping uh I'm just waiting till the defense comes back on the
1: field. <laughs> yeah, I think they're a top five defense and they might be the best defense in the big ten. Um Tulsa not a good offense. Ranked 111th. Oh, excuse me, 109th in defense. I'm sorry. They were 111 overall <laughs> <laughs> and, um, last year. Uh, and yeah, and I and I wrote down there they were three and nine. So no, they're not a very. Right, good they're team, not. Right. But that's the way you want to see elite defense play that team. Right. I, I felt like knowing that. If you could say, what would you like to? If you're a Michigan State fan, what would you like to see Michigan State's defense do? Michigan State did it. Um, right. I thought they were great last
0: year. Michigan State's returned what eight of eleven starters. Yeah, I believe the starters they lost. Uh, they lost Andrew Dowell at the linebacker spot. They lost um, Justin Lane from the corner, and I feel like there's one I'm forgetting. And I feel so really they bad. had a
1: very very good defense last yeah, year. Kari Willis, and they're even more experienced this year.
0: Yes. Um, yeah. A bit. One of the biggest factors for this season was. Joe Bocci, Raekwon Williams, Mike Panashuk, and Kenny willickis they're all seniors now. They all decided to turn down the NFL for one more year and come back. And, um, you know, if even one of those guys had left, I think this defense works like a machine. If one of the Cogs is gone, maybe it doesn't take a huge step back, but I think it's a noticeable loss. And um, another player who probably doesn't get enough credit on defense, I would say, is Naquan Jones. He's their third defensive tackle. He's a junior, but, you know, he he would be the number 1 defensive tackle on almost any other defensive line in the Big 10 or the country. I'm very bullish on Michigan
1: State's defense. Thank you. Um I <laughs> I wasn't as you can tell I'm not really high on their offense, but I'm right. a complete 180 with their defense. I've, I
0: the complete opposite. I think they're really good. One of the best in the country. I don't know if historically there's ever been a program where one side of the ball is so, um, we'll say, so below average, and one is – I've never seen just two units of the same school on such far ends of the spectrum.
1: Let me take you back to Rich Rod at Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) And even at times, Brady Hoke at
0: Michigan. (laughs) Right. Those ones kind of –
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the yes. um, but Kenny Willekes, you know, he had a great game There was a time in 2011 <laughs> where they met It was like two very briefly. The, yeah, <laughs> very briefly
0: <laughs> um, not, not to take away from Kenny Willekes' game on Friday night Because he had a great game um, He had a sack, he had I think seven tackles Two fumble recoveries, one for a touchdown But the touchdown that Tulsa did score right before halftime Was a result of him having a, a pretty boneheaded play they forced the three and out but he had a textbook rough in the passer call late hit uh, on the quarterback you know the next play was a, a deep a deep throw that Josh Butler got a little exposed on and then same thing happened a couple plays later for the touchdown so you'd like to see a 50 or senior defensive end reigning all America player not make a mistake like that. Um, I don't think he'll get called out too much. Well, maybe he will maybe because he had such a good game he won't get called out so much but since he is a captain and he's been in the system for so long and they know who he is, maybe like they will chew him out more than a regular player because he knows better than that you know you want to pl- you want to keep the aggressiveness, but you don't want to be stupid you know that's that's something that uh Isaiah Lewis of a-, a former safety at Michigan State really, learned to refine over his career he started as a sophomore and he was aggressive he was picking off passes and taking them back for touchdowns he was letting his mouth go you know but at times he was a little too aggressive um he almost knocked out his own player one time because he was kind of leading with his helmet <laughs> uh, missed and hit one of his own teammates and then the last year year and a half of his time at Michigan State you saw him really refine that part of his game and that's what I'd like to see from willickki just rein it in a little bit. Yeah, you know, definitely want some of that mad dog mentality, but uh, a little bit of a leash, just a little bit. And imagine uh, if you could hang your
1: hat on if you were Michigan State that you shut them out. He doesn't right. make that play. It's 28 nothing.
0: Exactly. So, And I, I love shutouts. Those, that's one of my favorite things in football. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I would have loved that opening day to get a shutout. I can tell you,
1: uh, 2015 season, <laughs> Michigan, three straight shutouts that against was,
0: some good teams. It was hard not to get excited about. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, uh, the game right after those three shutouts. Uh, was that the Michigan State it game? It was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, have you have any uh, other questions, concerns about Michigan State's defense. Um, I really don't. Uh, I am curious, you know. One thing I like
1: about Michigan's new offense is they go deep. And as you said, like if you're going to attack Michigan State's defense, I've always thought you go deep, just yeah. just based schematically on how they run their defense. So, Michigan, if you're playing Michigan State, like let's say the game was next week, mm. one side of the ball I'd feel a lot differently than the other side of the ball. And in uh, playing Michigan State, you know, that defense, I know it's going to be a rough day. But I do like. The strategy of Josh Gaddis seems to be form a strength at where Michigan State has a weak possible weakness. And you guys remember when we said the rivalry wasn't just one day a (laughs) year,
0: 365
1: days a year. (laughs) So looking ahead, I'm like, you know, there's certain things that, uh, as a Michigan fan, you're like, okay, I know I have to deal with Fields
0: playing Ohio State. I know I have to deal with. I believe we have uh, two months and. 14 days until until Michigan and Michigan State. <laughs> Two months and 11 days, November 16th. <laughs> but, you know, that the Michigan State
1: defense is something Michigan's going to have to overcome if right. they want to
0: reach all their goals. And um, Michigan State, I know Michigan's offensive line is looking to take the next step this season. Michigan State's D-line, I think, performed pretty much to where they wanted to be at against Michigan last year. Um, so, you know, it's like... If you can if you have time to take a deep shot then yeah that, mm. that might work um, but yeah that's definitely something I'd, I'd like Michigan State to clear up a little bit um, but at the same time you know that's that's part of it even when they had dark Denard and Trey Wayne's back there, you know basically the front eight are they're not full- on blitz they're like an organized blitz and you're just kind of leaving your your secondary on an island like that's that's just part of the risk you know it's like yeah do you want to lose the aggressiveness or you know the nature of your defense for that or you know it'll be
1: interesting to see Michigan's uh, offensive line with Runyon and Hayes you might yeah. have one you might Hayes might have earned himself a starting Right. You might see him jump over to where uh, Mayfield is now. They have some running backs that are a little bit better than Chris Evans that uh, <laughs> <laughs> true, true. blocking. But, um, but yeah. But uh, what's his name? Number. Hickton was a decent blocker, though. He wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. Right, right. I, I don't know if he's oh. as good as Charbonnet. I, I mean, actually, all the running backs uh, had a good game on. Uh, Saturday when it came to block, and one of them got laid out, but it uh, led to Michigan having a big play. Yeah,
0: True Wilson kind of laid his body
1: on the line. Yeah, and he uh, might – I mean, if you count the quarterbacks, he might be their fifth running option too. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, But, yeah, Mike Tressel I think has done a great job of continuing. Um, It was kind of weird when they had the co-coordinators between Harlan Barnett and Mike Tressel, even though they did get to the playoff under those two. Harlan Barnett's now the defensive coordinator at Florida State um yeah Mike Trestle in the off season, when D'Antonio made the uh the coach shuffle he appointed Mike Trestle as the associate head coach and I think that's kind of who Mark has his eye on to take over when he's done or he's I think behind closed doors he's kind of showing him some of the ropes I would like to have that conversation with you actually Maybe we can do another segment. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe uh, some other episode. We'll see if the defense, <laughs> see if the defense keeps it rolling.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, not, necess- not necessarily uh, in a way that Mark D'Antonio uh, like, gets like fired. He- just if he retires, who does he want his successor to be? Who do the fans want his successor to be? And who do you think Michigan State would pick?
0: Right. Not
1: necessarily a negative... Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's always something to keep in mind. It's right. always something that fans – I also think it's just something to debate, like, for fun.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, you never know when a coach is just going to randomly up and go to the pros. Right. Moving on now to the Michigan defense.
1: Um, some notes. Uh, still a three-man rotation at corner, which is a little odd, but also good it means they have depth. Lavert Hill looked good in coverage. Not so much on special teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gray had a good game. Aubrey Thomas, or excuse me, Ambre Thomas had a great game. He had an interception, fumble recovering, tackle, a fumble recovery, tackle for a loss. Also had a notable open field tackle on a middle Tennessee State um, screen that could have been a, a big play for them. Um, Stopped them right in their tracks uh, Safety Josh Metellus was Pro football focus College uh, Big Ten player of the week At his position um, Ben Mason This is kind of some of the more negative If you were going to look at it He got pushed around by Middle Tennessee State players and even some tackle um, He put on a lot of weight This offseason to, um, to Move to that position um, He's still at 280 which is a little Undersized He's a junior, though, so I'm hoping he puts on another 20 pounds, gets up to 300, and he could have a good senior year there. Uh, Michigan needs some defensive tackles. Um, Aubrey Solomon kind of was slotted in to be there, and he went to ten- uh, Tennessee, which was a big loss for Michigan. Tennessee also had a big loss this week going up against Georgia <laughs> Southern, <laughs> which makes me happy. Um Dwumford only played one series, the first series. He had a cast on his arm. Wow. He fell on it, didn't play the rest of the game, was in a lot of pain. Uh, defensive tackle Donovan Jeter didn't play, He, but he's expected to this week against uh, Army. Um, still looking for someone to step up at defensive tackle. Um, Michigan fans have been hearing Dwumford is like the player in waiting for a couple years now. So it would be interesting if he gets healthy, what he does. Um, I know Monet is getting a chance in the pros versus the Seahawks. Michigan didn't really have a lot of production necessarily on that defensive tackle last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he Monet was a fine starter at Michigan, but he's a former five-star. I think most Michigan fans would feel like he never lived up to his potential. He got passed by uh, Glasgow a couple yeah. years ago, and a lot of people thought Uh, The coaches might just be, you know, praising Glasgow and he'd still be Monet's backup. That's not what happened, as we know. Uh, Like I said, Monet was, you know, he was pretty good, but he wasn't as good as Glasgow or definitely not Maurice Hurst. So Mm -hmm. I think Michigan could still have the same production on defense as they did last year without getting a lot from there. Um it's not like they had uh, all Big 10 players at defensive tackle last year. Right. A lot of their production was Winovich and Gary off the end. Yeah, you know, just it came from other places. Yeah. Um Middle Tennessee State's uh, quarterback O'Hara had some nice runs. You want to shore that up if you're Michigan's defense.
0: Yeah, that's something I was going to mention. Like was it was it much of a concern to you that I wouldn't say it was like a full-on struggle, but you know, there were definitely moments where his dual threat ability kind of. You would like to see more dominance against
1: middle Tennessee state. Again, their only long drive came in garbage time near right. the end where Michigan uh, had their backups in. Uh, there are two other scoring drives where Levert Hills fumble and shape Henderson's fumble. And they had the right. short field. Um, like I said, if you with high expectations, you'd like to see even more dominance because it's middle Tennessee state. But it was definitely not like, and he—he's a smart player too, because he would throw the ball away or complete a pass and get hit immediately afterwards. There were several plays where that was happening. He uh, could have been sacked a lot more. Um, yeah, I was impressed by him. I think he's a first-year player too. I don't think he's the quarterback that played right. for them yeah, last obviously. year. Um, he had a fifty-nine-yard pass, but like I said, that was against backups. That's the one I just mentioned. Yeah. Um, Uche was getting a lot of pressure. Um. He's a great rusher. I would like to see more for him uh, against the run, and they'll get it this week against Army.
0: Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Like, um, I think Western is going to be a little bit more of a test for Michigan State's passing defense, and then Army is definitely going to be a test for Michigan's rush defense. Interesting parallels. And I, and I
1: have more to say about Army, too. Um, I think there's a lot of potential for the D-line. i like to see more pressure. They did get 18 of 43, uh, pressure on 18 of 43. But it's against Middle Tennessee State. So uh, I liked how Hudson played. Cleek Hudson had somewhat of a down year last year. Um, In 2017, a lot of people were praising him while at the same time bashing Peppers. I think uh, after last year, some of those fans that are super negative learned to appreciate Peppers because (laughs) Cleek Hudson definitely didn't have as strong of a year. That's that's another area where Michigan can improve from last year. You lose for Sean Gary, you lose Chase. Maybe you get Klee Cutson back. Maybe you get more production out of the defensive tackle positions. Um, I also like how Brad Hawkins played. He's a safety. Uh, Josh Metellus, I don't know if I mentioned him. Yes, he was the safety, pro football. Uh, pro focus. football focus safety of the week. Yeah, yep. Uh, I don't know if I said that earlier. Josh Ross had a good game. Uh, Glasgow had a good game. It's always good to have a <laughs> Glasgow. Right. They're on the, like field. the Bullos. Yeah, they're Michigan's Bullos. It's always good to have one in the arsenal as one of your uh, weapons. Right. What were your thoughts
0: on Michigan's defense? I'll be like totally honest. I didn't watch too much of the Michigan game. Um, watching Middle Tennessee State as an underdog playing a Michigan team kind of gave me PTSD. <laughs> and, uh, also, i was gonna say i didn't
1: and uh i didn't watch too much of the second half of michigan state and tulsa but maybe for different reasons when michigan right, right. basketball played tulsa they won
0: well also <laughs> also uh oregon and auburn was on at the same time and i'm one of, one of those schmucks only has the one tv you
1: know <laughs> um well then in uh what we'll was playing at the same time as the Michigan State game was that Wisconsin and South Florida?
0: Yeah. Okay, we can get
1: to that game in the next segment, but
0: for sure. Um, yeah, like I said, I definitely think the defensive line would be an area of concern for me because you are replacing two stalwarts at defensive end between Winovich and Gary, and like you said, the defensive tackle position wasn't necessarily super productive. Um. Aside from Mohurst Hurst in the last two years, so um, I, I think, think I uh, think uh,
1: Michigan has gotten used to replacing right since Harbaugh has been here. Whether it's Durkin or whether it's um, um, uh, Don Brown, Don Brown. Thank you. I wanted to say <laughs> the dude man, but his, dude name, man. his name's not Lebowski. It's Don Brown. It's like Taco Charlton, uh, Maurice Hurst, and you can yeah. go on the Glasgow. Yeah. You, 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 they've had uh, very good defensive, uh, defensive front seven. Yeah. yeah. And, just, and and to be fair, they've had a bunch in the back too. And it's just like every year you think, oh, the defense could take a step back. And so far it hasn't happened. Right. I would argue in some years it actually got better.
0: I really like LaVert Hill on the corner. Um, I know who was it. Vincent Gray was Vincent. kind of Vincent. kind of in the rotation with uh, Ambry.
1: All three of them had very good games.
0: Yeah, uh, Lavert Hill, I've always really liked because um, they lost a very good quarter to the NFL uh, this past year. Uh, David Long, yeah, yeah. So I was
1: I was curious how that would look, and you heard from camp that they have a lot of uh, players in the back uh, uh, and safeties and cornerbacks that could play.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, there's not too much for me to take away from Michigan's defense. Uh, you know, they were kind of like right in the middle. You know, they weren't Michigan State's offense, but they weren't Michigan State's defense either. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we'll compare things from now on. <laughs> on a, instead of a scale of 1 to 10, it's a scale I of do wonder if Michigan State's if, offense. If Michigan's, State's off,
1: if Michigan's special teams and offense were so sloppy and only – score middle Tennessee state got was in garbage time how how much how difference. Different. yeah, yeah. Different. because um you had some headlines out there saying Michigan went sloppy game versus middle Tennessee state and I didn't totally object to that because mm, I, mean, I it wasn't, it wasn't the cleanest game no especially I mean they had they lost two fumbles and they had two more um but I thought there was a lot of things they did well that was maybe lost in the stat sheet if that's the only thing you looked at and I yeah. don't blame people for not. Watching Middle Tennessee State, which I believe was on the Big Ten Network too, so it was already on a regional. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, was already
1: on a regional channel.
0: Um, so they're replacing a a bit in the secondary. I know um, we already mentioned the three corner rotation. How do you feel about the safeties aside from Metellus? Oh, Brad Hawkins had a very good game. Okay, he's a transfer from Utah.
1: It's not his first year here. I believe he is a senior. Um, He didn't start last year, but he started this year, and he had a very good game. Um, He came expecting to start, uh, maybe not right away when he transferred to Michigan, but he's definitely a player that's skilled. Uh, I think a lot of Michigan fans were hoping that he'd be good enough to start last year, and he had a good game um, at the – Viper you have Kalik Hudson. Um, but another player that can play that is Jordan Glasgow and they have him I as saw linebacker. That a bit. Yeah. And Josh Ross had a good game. Um Kalik Hudson had a good
0: game. You are curious what will happen when they play better teams. But mm-hmm. uh I'm I'm definitely interested to tune in to see how the run defense gets tested on Saturday. And um You know, getting into a little bit of special teams because um they got kind of a weird kicker situation with Nordeen and and Moody. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going on. I think Will Hart's a good punter. Um, uh, Moody had a
1: very good year last year. Uh, right, Will of
0: came on like the last yeah like, three or four games of the season.
1: Will Hart had a very actually big upgrade from the year before. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Quint- a lot of people expected Nordine to transfer. Because he came in highly touted.
0: He was the number one kicker in the country.
1: He had a very hot start to the 2017 season. Mm -hmm. Missed some. Finished strong. Had some struggles last year. And it seemed like uh, Moody took the job from him. But uh, it looks... I mean, if you're Michigan, you kind of want that battle to go on. (laughs) Two kickers is better than uh, none. Uh, uh, He must have a lot of confidence in thinking he's going to get some playing time if he didn't transfer. I remember, um, I believe it was 2017, it might have been last year, but after he missed the kick, and I think it had, he had been on a little bit of a cold streak, Harbaugh said, don't miss the next one, and he stood right up to him and said, I won't. And he <laughs> didn't. <laughs> I think that was 2017. But he seems very oddly streaky. High I, and cold. Yeah, and I think most Michigan fans feel much more comfortable with Moody.
0: Yeah, and that's fair. And I didn't really get to Michigan State special teams. I'll just – they're kind of in a similar position. Uh, Jake Hartbarger is back, thank goodness. Michigan State kind of got lost in the injury talk last year that they went through five punters, and I don't know if that's ever happened that a high Division I program went through five punters in one season. Um, So having Jake Hartbarger back is really nice, and Matt Coglin has been really steady. I think he missed – two kicks his freshman year in 2017, and I think he missed two or three last season. So he's a junior now, and he was four for four Friday night. So I feel very confident in Michigan State's punting and kick a game. And uh, again, the return game got a huge blow with Jalen Naylor's injury. They really haven't had any life to them since Keyshawn Martin graduated in 2011. Uh, You know, a little bit of R.J. Shelton back in 2014 and 15, but – yeah, that's been an area of weakness.
1: When you have a great defense like Michigan State does, you want to be able to play the field position right. game
0: a bit. And it's very hard if you're not getting and production. And that from is a something that was working against the defense last year. It was like not only was the offense, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, but you got a, a punter that just enrolled in classes last week and became part of the football team six days ago, you know? <laughs> so now having Jake Hartbarger back, who, um, was a five-star punter when he was recruited. That's a that's a big deal for Michigan State and he did have a 61-yarder against Tulsa on Friday night. So that's that's a big deal for Michigan State just having their main punter back. So we alluded to it a little bit. Army is coming to Ann Arbor, Western Michigan's coming to East Lansing. Mark Dantonio has a chance to become who to tie uh, Duffy Doherty for the most wins in Michigan State history. Army and Michigan is the first game of the weekend between the two, so we'll take a look at that first.
1: Yeah, I think Army is a little uh, a little overhyped a bit. I think a lot of
0: people were, were high on them. Yeah, yeah.
1: Not that they're a bad team, but just keep in mind they're a service academy that beat Rice 14-7 last week. Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. And <laughs> – and their best win last year was a loss versus Oklahoma in overtime. And Oklahoma fired their defensive coordinator after that, and they didn't have a great defense to begin with, and that's not the reason they made the college football playoff. And that defensive coordinator uh, probably shouldn't have had that job. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Might have been some nepotism there. Um, It will be interesting to see how a Don Brown uh, defense – that is loves to blitz. Uh, handles the triples, the triple option. Yeah, I mean you can blitz the triple option, but so much of college football is moving towards passing more, which is why it's nice to have Doctor Blitz as your defensive corner, a guy who likes to uh, put pressure and just go all out. And um, you can blitz runs and you can blitz the triple option, but it's going to be a little bit of a mishmash, right? You don't like to deal with the service Academy's uh, uh,
0: interesting blocking.
1: <laughs> Some yeah. Might call it chop
0: blocking. Um, it's, it's fortunate that the bye weeks is the bye week comes after the army game for Michigan. Cause I remember air force coming to town four years ago when Michigan state made the playoff. And, um, I think they lost two or three defensive linemen to injury for a little bit after that, a couple offensive linemen, um, and a safety, so, you know, like, we'll just leave it at that. We'll just, we'll just leave. I'm, I don't remember, I know it was in
1: 2012, Michigan had a, I think it was after they lost to Notre Dame, played Air Force as well, and it was one of those things where I believe if you look at the yards, Michigan was dominating them. But if you look at but the, the scoreboard, scoreboard, yeah, it's like, yeah. of course, you know, certain fans... Especially rival fans that are just looking at the scoreboard, like, see. "Hey,"
0: and that's, that's kind of similar to not not to go like too far back, you know. We're trying to stay in the moment, but that's kind of like what happened with Michigan State that year too. Like they were up thirty five to seven, pulled back a little bit. The final score was 35-21, and everyone's like, "Oh, why was why was Air Force so close to Michigan State if they're the number two team in the country?" You know. Some I heard some people talking. How much do you think Michigan will win by?
1: If they win by seventeen or something, will some fans be disappointed? But the triple option shortens the game. It does. Yeah. So if you win, if Michigan, you know, wins thirty-one to fourteen, thought,
0: that's still a yeah. blowout.
1: But it might not be that close, really. If right, if the game, if you had as many, I mean, you look, you hear. Um, I was reading the stat line on a Middle Tennessee State game. There's probably going to be. There's a lot more. There's probably going to be a lot less plays in the army game than there was in the Middle Tennessee State game.
0: Right. So maybe less opportunity to like show off the offense a little bit. Right. Um, for Michigan State, um, they played Western Michigan two years ago, early in the season. I think it was also week two, and the teams, both of them, have not changed too much personnel wise. Was that the game at? Western? No, no, no. This one was in East Lansing. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, John Wasink is back for Western. He's a senior quarterback who, um, you know, Western was playing Monmouth. I think it was 48-14 to 14 was the final score. It's Monmouth, so take these stats with a little bit of a grain of salt. What state is uh, Monmouth College in? Uh, <laughs> Based off the name, I would say like Vermont or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, take these stats with a grain of salt. But he was twenty for twenty-five, three hundred sixty-eight yards, five touchdowns. Um, so potentially him and uh, I believe his name is Eskridge, another receiver who played at Michigan State in twenty seventeen, could uh, try to expose, try to attack Michigan State through the air a little bit. I should say, Levante Bellamy is a uh, an explosive running back, but they only mustered ninety rushing yards against Monmouth. And uh, I know when you're throwing the ball all over the field at will, uh, you don't really want to slow down and run it too much. But still, 90 yards versus Monmouth is not great, and you're about to go up against Michigan State's defense. So, yeah. Um, And again, what I really want to see, like I'm not really too interested in what the defense is going to do. Really mostly interested in what the offense is going to do, especially – considering Mark D'Antonio's press conference this week. Monmouth
1: is the second-best college football team in New Jersey. Who would be
0: the best? Rutgers? (laughs) Rutgers. It's pronounced Rucker. There's only one. (laughs) I was trying to think if Seton Hall has a football team. I don't believe they do. They
1: they have a historically good college basketball program now. They do. We can move on to uh, our last segment, the Big Ten – Power rankings. Um, did you see that David Wanstead's power rankings? I didn't. If, uh, if he had Michigan number one, Ohio State number two, Iowa number three, Penn State and Wisconsin four and five, and he had Michigan State number six. Where was Michigan again? Number one.
0: Oh, number one. yes yeah.
1: I, <laughs> I did. Uh, I don't agree with that. Uh. Like I said, until Michigan beats uh, Ohio State, I have Ohio State number one. I am pretty high on Michigan this year, but I do have Ohio State one in the East and one in the Big Ten. Um, I think Penn State and Wisconsin too low, and I'm actually high on Iowa. Um, yeah. I actually probably had Iowa, the best team in the West. Uh, after this week, I have Wisconsin. They won 49-0 on the road against South Florida.
0: Wisconsin, to me, was the Big Ten team that impressed the most. Um, because South Florida, again, they're in uh, the American Conference, and they're not historically a great or bad program. I know they've got a decent coach. About the last 15 years or so, they've had some good years. Yeah, and so you go on the road and win 49 nothing the first week, and Jonathan Taylor just puts up an absolute monster game. Yeah, I'm impressed by that, and there aren't too many running backs and offensive line combos that I think – could threaten Michigan State's defensive line too much, and to me, Jonathan Taylor and Wisconsin's offensive line—if anybody's going to break like 200 or plus—against it's going to be them. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying they will, but I'm saying if anybody can do it, I am still interested in what their
1: quarterback situation is going to be. But like I said, I moved them above Iowa, uh, um, South Florida. Charlie Strong's first year in 2017, they went 10 and two. Mm-hmm. It was like a really good redemption for him after Texas didn't go so well. And some people said, you know, Texas wasn't his fault. He was good at Louisville. Last year they started, I want to say six and zero, and then lost six of their last seven games. Now seven of their last eight going into this season. Going, yeah. So you do stuff. wonder what direction that program's going. But like I said, and you, you. Pretty much seem to agree. Forty nine, nothing against an American Conference team. Um, right, all the Florida teams always seem to have some talent, even in down years, because that state's just so rich with high school football players.
0: Right. See, putting up seventy nine on Idaho and Howard, like that's great, but those are two programs, Idaho and Howard, that are historically dumpster. Well, Idaho's dumpster even are. worse. Idaho.
1: I looked this up since we last talked about it off air. Idaho just went from the FBS to FCS, right? So now they're technically an FCS school. I didn't realize that because I'm pretty sure Idaho and Idaho State one year played in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, which <laughs> the, you know that was fun for the whole Play state. That boys, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I do give um, Maryland some credit because they seem like a team that's just trying to break through. And even against Howard, that big of a blowout's good. Um, Idaho, I know they're technically an FCS team, and that did take a little bit of the luster off of Penn State's victory, but they were recently at least an FBS team. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of doubts going on at Penn State right now with players moving on or players, whether it's going to NFL or transferring and, I have been adamant that I still think they're formidable because there's just so much talent on that team. Even if I don't totally trust uh, James Franklin's play calling, I could easily see them win nine or ten games this year.
0: Yeah. Um, but to me, I, I look at the opponents that the Big Ten East played and it's nothing great. Um, so Michigan and Michigan State having sloppy performances week one. And I think sloppy is – is fair to both teams, right? A little bit, a little you know. bit yeah. I, I think Michigan a little bit,
1: and, and maybe Michigan State was too, and I definitely think Ohio State because they got out to a dominant start, and then they took the foot off the gas. Right. I'm not sure if Michigan State did. You would know better than me. I didn't watch much of the second half. Um, I think some outlets and fans have been a little bit too critical of those three teams, mm-hmm. especially Ohio State, who, like I said, they
0: it was 28 nothing before the first quarter yeah. was over. So to me – There's nobody in the Big Ten East that has really separated themselves. And I know you disagree with that statement a little bit. Not necessarily because of week one. Okay. And that is something when we talked
1: off air, and I was thinking about what my thoughts were. Maybe I didn't totally vocalize in the right way or express in the right right way. Excuse me. I'm not just basing off week one. Right. It's also what I know is coming back and um, and what they have done recently. Um, I – like I said, Ohio State, you know, have proved themselves. Um, they've been doing so well for so long that it's just like I, I expect them to win. Right. And uh, Wisconsin, I thought it might be a little bit of a down year after week one. It's like eh, some of those doubts, they weren't really founded. I guess, you know, they went seven or eight and five last year. You know, I thought and maybe that was, was
0: after 12 12- Thirteen to one in twenty seventeen.
1: Yeah, it just seemed like uh, the longer Paul Christ has been there, they had been sliding down a little bit. But, a little bit, yeah, yeah. But maybe that's you know that was just one down year really. Uh, and I thought maybe it was Iowa. Every four, five, six years, Iowa just seems to <laughs> have an up year. And they and they didn't have a bad week. They went thirty one. They went thirty one to fourteen against uh, Miami of Ohio. Yeah, which and, is the max school, but. I want to talk about defense, who the best Big Ten defense is. I was up there. I was up there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just – Dave Wan said, like I said, uh, I would have Michigan number two, Ohio State one. Um, I was a little bit more impressed by Wisconsin than Michigan State. That was one of those games I didn't know which way it could go. Uh, If they played on neutral field, that's kind of how I do my power rankings too. I try not to put too much weight week to week, just, you know, I feel yeah. like some outlets do that especially just to get people's eyebrows raised. So, you know, Wisconsin, who I probably would have had sixth or seventh. Uh I would put Nebraska down a little bit. Definitely. I
0: I watched <laughs> quite a bit of their game versus South Alabama. South Alabama and uh it was just pretty un- uninspiring stuff. And that was a team who like Army got a lot of love in the offseason. And I know they I think they uh, walked they Spreaded the points a little bit. Like both of those kind of pulled away at the end. Both of
1: those programs, too. I feel like part of it came with a little bit of an asterisk. Yeah. I think uh, both people or most people who are high on both programs look at both of those programs' schedules, and they might still get a lot of wins. Army doesn't. They usually play one really good team, like mm-hmm. Oklahoma last year, and Michigan this year. Nebraska has one of the easiest Big Ten uh, schedules, <laughs> cool. at least looking right now. So, Nebraska could win eight games this year, double their win total from last year, and not really necessarily have uh, when they can hang their hat on. Um, Scott Frost stepped into a really hard job, though. So, I'm definitely not writing him off yet. He might need a couple years. A little bit more time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought Dave Wanstead explained himself about putting Michigan State number six, and he said, the Big Ten right now has six or seven ranked teams, so putting a team at six might right. look bad. He just wasn't sure about their offense, and he's historically uh, been one to give his honest opinion, I feel like. Mm-hmm. He's not necessarily a skip Bayless,
0: just to say something. Say he's not saying anything yeah. for the sake of it. Right. Yeah, he's definitely uh, an informed guy. I really like Dave that. Um, He's you know, a little bit of a goof, but in a charming way. I believe he won a playoff game with the Dolphins. So that's nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Might be Pitt's worst coach in the last like 20 years, though. Everyone else goes six <laughs> and seven or seven and six almost every And then year. takes another job. Yeah, he he, uh, he uh, went like four and eight. And uh, the only reason they kept him for a while is because he beat Rich Rod in right. West Virginia. <laughs> Anyways, so that's our first episode of the Paul Bunyan podcast. Yep. Uh, Are you still almost saying Beards for Radio, your other podcast? A little bit, yeah. If anybody (laughs) wants to check
0: us out, um, I do have another podcast called Beards for Radio. uh, If you want to check us out on Facebook or Anchor or anything else. Um, And if you want to check this uh, podcast out on Facebook, it's facebook.com
1: slash the Paul Bunyan podcast. You can also email us at uh, gmail.com, the Paul Bunyan pod, Podcast at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at uh, Paul Bunyan Pod. Oh, okay. And, okay yep. switch it up a little bit. <laughs> we didn't have enough, their character limit, you know. <laughs> uh, Twitter's fam- infamous for that. Uh, if you have a good question that you want read right on air, you can uh, tweet us, email us, leave us a message on Facebook, uh, share us. Um, yep. We're on Anchor uh, for... But they uh, distribute us. They're going to distribute
0: yeah. us over a lot of platforms. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you might hear us talking about Anchor and be listening on something else. Don't, yep. don't worry about it. Yep. And I think this was a great first
1: episode. Well, we're going to try to come weekly. Uh, we might mm-hmm. uh, even have a extra episode during Rivalry Weeks. And, yeah, I'm excited. This is gonna. Be, I'm glad
0: football's back. Yep. excited for Saturday. Saturdays in the fall are the best. And, um I'm going to be in the stands on Saturday night. Uh, I don't know if you're planning to go to any games this year. I'll be
1: watching on my TV.
0: I do like to go to a lot of games. I'm a season
1: uh, season uh, ticket holder for basketball. And that makes me jealous. But, <laughs> yeah. but, yeah, until at least March, we'll be, have, we'll be chugging out a bunch of episodes, and we'll try to get some in the summer too. But until next time, I'm Mike. And I'm Joe. Thanks for listening to the Paul Bunyan Podcast.